coffee with God, of course, Hebrews. Now, get your 40 together, uh, but this one's going to be a shorty. And let's hear God say, keep it fresh, stay young at heart. That's right. So let's take a look together at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 to 39. Come on in. channel. We're glad that you're here. We're always glad that you're here. Always glad to have friends listening in uh, to the biblical station so that we can actually hear God speak to us because the normal way that God speaks to us is through the Bible. And the Bible is very normal in the way that it handles uh, life for us. And it promises to get the most out of us in our lives, to, to generate a success in our life based upon a peaceful state of mind. Anyhow, we got a lot to talk about here, but the thing that we do at the Biblical Station here is read the words. So we want to read the words first, then we talk about the words. So the words are 2,000 years old, so they deserve a little bit of talking too. So we're really looking at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 to 39, but as we've made mention, there's a little introductory paragraph that sets up this being the third of the three paragraphs um, of which we've talked about two of them already. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read chapter 10 verse 19 to 21 because that's the the right header leading into this paragraph. So it goes like this: Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened up for us through the curtain that is through His flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, okay. Now we jump down to chapter 10, verse 32. Recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those who were so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him." But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, uh -uh, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord, for those words. Praise be to God for these words. All right. Well, without any you know, more, we ought to actually pray. And I always like praying exactly the way Lord Jesus taught us how to pray. I don't feel like I could make one better than he made one. And so he made one and gave it to us. And it sounds like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, our daily bread and forgive us our debts and our trespasses as we forgive our debtors and those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Amen. 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 
Um, it is good to have God with us all the time. And God is good all the time. We need to say that more and more. Anywho, our passage coming up, um, as, as we already made mention, really begins with this introductory paragraph where the author has made it very clear that God, what God has done in Jesus Christ is he has made a new and living way open and available to us. And us means you, it means everybody. It means me, it means everybody. It means the whole entire world because the whole entire world is God's. Um, but the focus is that Christianity, Jesus Christ in particular, um, has literally changed everything about the way that human beings are going to think. So starting 2,000 years ago, we see this change of action starting to take place, and we've been feeling the effects of a changed world ever since Jesus came into this world. Shouldn't take us by surprise because Jesus is God, but it is important to not be silly, not be an ass, and, and somehow think that Christianity hasn't broken us into the modern world that we now enjoy. And for 2,000 years after Jesus, that's what's been happening, is the world has become more and more modern. Everywhere Christians go, modern um, ideas, different ways of thinking, better ways of thinking start to come in. You know, listen, I was having a conversation with an Indian man, and I don't mean, uh, what I mean by an Indian man is uh, a man who is from India, and his family from India. They're from the very northern part of, of India. And he was explaining to me that, you know, the tribe that he's he's from uh, is a notorious headhunting tribe. So notorious as headhunters, you know, they would, you know, put heads on pikes um, of all their enemies and keep them up forever. Um, and a lot of people did this, you know. Uh, anyhow, I'll tell his story first. He's he says, listen, our tribe being notorious headhunters in northern India, um, we're pretty much left alone by the Chinese, pretty much left alone by the Mongols, and pretty much left alone by the British, even when the British Empire came in, because nobody wanted to get involved with a group of people who were really serious about headhunting. <laughs> I'm with you. I don't know if I would have had um, any interest in you know, sitting down and talking with headhunters. But he said, do you know who changed us as a tribe? It wasn't the Chinese. It wasn't the Mongols. It, it, it wasn't the uh, uh, English government because they, they all left us alone. It was the straggling missionaries who, you know, dared to put their own life in their hands and to come up and share with our tribe what a better way of life might look like. And he said, that has what has changed his tribe in Northern India, which reminds me, I've been saying this for a long time. You were part of a tribe not too long ago that was a sacrificer. You were part of a tribe not too long ago that was doing very weird things by today's standards. And you have been a part of a human growth, you know, that has been changed, literally changed by Jesus Christ and the things in it. We're now being silly with uh, thinking that somehow Christianity was a bad thing for the world. Um, I literally hear people say that. They really think that Christianity was a bad thing for the world. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. 
anyhow, we're focusing on that new and living way that God has opened up for us in Jesus Christ that has really done away with sacrificial systems. It has really done away with all the weirdness of religion. It has really done away with religion itself in many ways. Um, uh, that may be a strange statement to, to say, but I'll, I'll, I'll actually read something for you in a moment that will kind of get on to what I'm talking about. But this is the paragraph. And so the you know the first paragraph this is the introductory paragraph and the first paragraph that he talked about is let's do this and we already had that talk and then the second paragraph that he talks about is don't be an ass don't don't, don't forget about the basics and and know what it means anyhow we talked about that last week this week um, the focus is keep it fresh keep it young and 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 that's what is that is that is what God is saying to us keep it fresh keep it young. That is so important uh, in, in our world, uh, in our life, in our own growth, that we keep things fresh, that we keep ourselves young, young at heart, no matter how old we are. And that's what, you know, uh, the, the verse 32 gets on to. Recall the former days when after you were enlightened. So basically, you know, the author God, the author and God are reminding us how important it is, whether you're a late convert or whether you're a, a convert from, you know, like my kids. My kids don't know really a day when they didn't know and love and trust Jesus Christ. They, they just don't, you know, because it's been happening all of their lives. So I'll call that an early convert. Whether you're a late convert like me at the age of 28 or maybe uh, a friend of mine, uh, Dick Kelly, who, who converted, in, you know, I think at 50 years old, um, it or an early convert, someone who grew up with the faith. You have got to remember when Christianity began for you and always remember that because that, that is the spirit um, that, that early on, you know, fresh, um, youthful way of thinking about God is what you always need to get back to. Um, and you should have that moment that you can remember. And if you don't have that moment that you can remember, then you need to make it now. That's all. That, I, let's not make this complicated. Then make it now, um, or you know, you know. Okay, so recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, just hearkens the audience, the original audience, you know, two thousand years ago, and us back to when it all began for us, as far as Christianity is concerned. Keep it fresh. Keep it young. That's the the motto here. Um, we have to know this, that adulthood, adulthood is really what makes all of us a little bit stale, a little bit dull, a little bit boring, a little bit unimaginative, and worse yet, it makes us pessimistic and it makes us resentful. As adults, we are the killjoys. As children, we have a wonderful sense of life. We have a wonderful sense of the freshness of life. We have a wonderful sense of you know, the sun coming up and all kinds of magnificent things throughout the day. And, and we never tire of it when we're young. And here's another thought for you. God himself is young. God is young. God is not old. We, as human beings, imagine God being old. And then when we imagine God being old, we start imagining God being like us as old. You know, that's the way it goes. But God is the God of youth. God is the God of young, forever young, baby. Keeping it fresh, keeping it young, forever young is exactly the message of the Bible. And, and that's because God 
is forever young. That's because God keeps it fresh and keeps it young. It's us who have this problem called growing old. And growing old means we're getting closer to death. And that's what makes us pessimistic. And that's what makes us, you know, cranky. Um, that's what makes us mean. That's what makes us all kinds of things. It's God, though, who is young. And, and, and the child, the child who we all know, because it was us at one point in time, um, or the children that we had, the child that says, do it again, do it again, read it again, read it again, is a child after God's own heart. You know, I am absolutely convinced that God never grows tired of seeing the sun, you know, keep coming up on the earth the way it does in every section of the globe the way it does. I am absolutely convinced that God never tires of the lilies of the field coming to their blossom yet again. I am absolutely convinced that you know the moon is is adorable and fun to see just like it is for me. God is youthful. God is fun. God is young. God has the right mindset. It's the adults who grow tired of the kids saying, "Oh, I, I you know, read this for me again or tell it to me again." I just watched uh, the movie of Mice and Men, which of course reminded me of the book that I read when I was in like high school or something like that. Um, of of Mice and Men and Lenny, Lenny the uh, central character and George, you know, Lenny, uh, you know, supposedly has one foot in the sand, but. Lenny always wants George to tell him the same story about the house and about the rabbits and how Lenny gets to keep the rabbits and tend to the rabbits. Um, and it's a very endearing part of Lenny's character that he can't hear that story enough. And, you know, for us as adults, we're like, you know, you know, looking at Lenny and, and looking down on him. But actually, Lenny's got it right, you know, to hear to be able to look at life in a very simple way and to look at the good things and only focus on the good things is something that we all need to hearken to, and that comes from God. God is all about us keeping it young and keeping it fresh. You know, I recommend, you know, I remember a guy told me one time, he said, he's, and he was older than I am, and and uh, I think his wife was giving him a hard time hanging around me. He says, you know what, I love hanging around young people because they keep me young. And so I would say this, I'd say you need to be the young people for some old people, and then you need to 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 be the old people for some young people to keep it young. You got to keep this thing young. You got to keep yourself young in mind, young in heart. Um, hey, listen, I'm getting older. We're all getting older, and the body doesn't work the way it does, but that doesn't give you an excuse for not being young in your mind because God himself is young. But there's something very important to this being young business that uh, the author is getting onto, but that's the first point that he makes in chapter 10, verse 32. So let's move forward. Let's go on down. And, and the next point is, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. Big message here, because this, this point cannot be said enough. The Bible is the only source of real honesty in this world. I am absolutely convinced that the Bible is the only real source of honesty that you will ever find. Now, you know, you have to read the Bible, and you have to read it well. You can't just make it say whatever you want it to say. you got to listen to what it actually says. But the Bible never, you know, the good book never promises any of us a rose garden. And if you don't know what I mean by that, 
The Bible never promises anybody that this life is going to be easy. The Bible never promises anybody that God is a good luck charm that will turn your fortunes around. The Bible never speaks like that. And people who think like that about the Bible have just simply not read the Bible. And people who are disappointed that God is not like that, well, they're just not capable of honesty. That's the point. Um, no promises of rose gardens, but but the Bible also has a very, very candid, truthful, honest assessment of the life that we have and the world that we live in. It's a candid statement that says, it's going to get weird. This, wo this world is weird. Ooh, baby, baby, it's a wild world. But it's not just a wild world. It's a weird world. People are wild. People can be very weird. People can be very strange. People can be very hurtful. From the very gate that the Bible opens with, chapter 5, you are introduced to Cain killing Abel for no good reason. And the big message is that the world in which you and I live in is a world where there will be Cains who kill their brother Abel for no good reason at all, just for bad reasons. And that is the, the consistent message that the Bible maintains, is that this world is off the hook. It's out of control. It's unreliable. It's got wonderful things to it. It's got the capabilities of wonderful things, but it has a certain unreliableness to it because of us. And um, it's the Bible that is addressing the issue in, a, in an honest and serious way, unlike us as people who are just not honest and we're just not serious most of the time. And the author here is obviously speaking to one of the first Christian communities who is very aware that they have struggled, that they have been introduced to some calamities, that they've been exposed to reproaches and afflictions, and sometimes it was their friends or their partners that were treated like this. They have seen this firsthand, and the author is actually saying to them, God is saying to them, remember those days because you went through that and you had the right mindset that you knew that the reason why people that you knew and you yourself were being mistreated is because the Bible, God himself calls that spade for what it is. And that's a spade, you know, a spade shovel is a spade shovel. It's no more than that. And, and the Bible is, is completely candid with us. And people who were becoming Christians in the first century understood the message at that level. And what the author and God are saying is, is you need to always remember that, that they endured hardships and sufferings and all kinds of things with ease because they had a whole different perspective through Jesus Christ and the coming kingdom of God. First, you know, the, the Christianity, Christians in the first century were the first people to ever be called atheists because they rejected all other notions of God right? That's weird, isn't it? That Christians were called by, you know, Romans, Greeks, and other peoples. They were called atheists by other peoples because um, they didn't believe in the gods that were popular in the day. So Christians were the first ones to be labeled atheists because they didn't believe in God the right way. Um, and then what's even, uh, you know, more interesting is that first century Christians and second century Christians and third century Christians 
They were ratted out by their neighbors. They were accused of being baby drowners. They were accused of being cannibals. They were accused of being blood drinkers. And this is what happens when you do something different. And even if it's good, and even if you aren't hurting anybody by doing what you're doing, people, there are some people that won't like you for it. That's exactly it. That's the spirit of Cain at work, killing Abel, is, is that, you know, people will look at you if you're different than they, and they will mistreat you. You know, I have been in many circles. I live and work in many circles where my Christianity is not welcome. If, I, you know, I, that is something I have to shut up about because people don't want to hear it. And I say, why? It's, you know, it has made me a good person. It's made me uh, an energetic, hardworking, fun-loving, generous person. Why wouldn't you want to hear about this? But they don't. And you know it, and I know it, and it's weird. But the Bible's the one that's being honest with us. And, and as we remember the days of our youth, we remember how we could endure sufferings because we had a great perspective on God. And God's perspective is that he looks down on this world with patience. He knows that it's broken. He knows that it's out of control, but he's patient with this world. And he understands that at the very heart and soul of the problem of this world is sin and our own, you know, problem with sin and that God is being patient and he is the one bringing salvation. He's the one bringing a positive message to the table. And, and when it comes to, you know, you know, taking our youthful or our first love of Christianity, our first love of Jesus Christ, our first love of God, when we were young or when we first became a Christian, and we applied that to struggles in life, that is exactly where the author wants us to be, is always remember those times. Um, and, and, and listen, if you are a late convert like me, when I was 28 years old, I became a convert to to Christianity. And uh, I'm telling you, it changed everything. And I was excited and I did all kinds of stuff that I had never done before. I, I, I made friends in the inner city, African Americans, you know, and, and I went down and built schools with them. I, I got together with other men and prayed. I got together with other men and, and, and built houses and, and, and did other things to, you know, with, with men and women Listen, it was all great fun, and and uh, I'm reminded, you know, of 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 you know how a guy like me can can remember how much my life had changed. But a a, a person like my children, you know, a girl or a guy like my children, they too need to remember when they were young. And I I've got a couple old letters here that I keep around. I got tons and tons of these things because my kids would always take notes in church. But uh, here's a sweet one from one of my kids. It says, Bubba, thank you for teaching me about God. Bubba, uh, no one can, uh, now I can tell my friends, Bubba, you're the best, but God is better. I love that. I always just tell my kids that, you know, God is better than me and God is better than you. I love God more than you and, and God loves you more than you. Anyhow, that was one, and and then here was another one. You know, uh, here's another one of my kids. You know, writing you know their notes down, saying you know God wants us to be happy. God does not. God Christianity is not a religion. Okay, and this is one of my kids when they're in their single digits. Christianity is not a religious a religion. God wants us to be happy, not like a new car or something. No, no, no. Like like happy 
as in Christianity sharing the message of God. Um, church is God's wisdom, he says, and God is making other people Christians, so we need to be talking about that. <laughs> what a perfect re reflection. And so, you know, my kids grew up never knowing a day in their life when they didn't trust in Jesus, but they too, in their adulthood, have to look back on their days when they were writing notes and letters like this um, and, and, and always stick to the basic principles of how they love God and their perspective of loving God helps them to get through their hard struggles and their sufferings. That's what it's all about. It's about a peace of mind that God has promised. And that's where we want to go next, because the next line says, For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourself had a better possession and an abiding one. And that just reminds us that the first church and, and the modern church of God's people, and then when I say church, I just mean the people of God, um, the promise that God gives us is, is actually about a peace of mind, and it's also about the coming of his kingdom. And God's promise, God's promise is a blessing. God's promise is a blessing and a solution for the world's problems. That is the heart and soul of the message. That is the heart and soul of Christianity. And, and Christianity, the message of Jesus Christ, has been turning people like me from vengeful people into peaceful people, has been turning you know stingy people like me into generous people like me now. The kingdom of God, when the kingdom of God is in our mind and in our thinking, we start thinking in terms of permanent treasures, and we can see that this world is chock full of nothing permanent. And when we think about the kingdom of God, it, it opens our mind to thinking about permanent treasures, permanent rewards. And that's what the author and God are saying here, is, is that when you have the attitude of the kingdom of God and its permanent treasures and its permanent rewards, then you can get through the misdeeds and the accidents and the, and the mistakes and the dramas of this world, even if it means your own possessions going away, that that the your original audience is being told. Remember when you you know you 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 would take your love for God and you would visit people in prison, that you would take your love for God and and when your own possessions were stolen, you could deal with it, you could cope with it, you could live with it because you you saw the world at its biggest perspective, and that is through the kingdom of God. And Christians, for the last 2,000 years, in all seriousness, have actually led the world, have led the world in selfless good deeds. Absolutely still do. There is no group that you could talk about, no group that you could talk about that has done more good. Who in the world has done more good and consistently talks about doing good in this world with no thought of return? Christians. And that Indian that I was telling you about that was talking to me, you know, he said, listen, nobody cared that my tribe was a headhunting tribe until some pretty weak, you know, Christians who were actually very strong, you know, but they didn't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. They just looked like geeks. And they mingled their way into the lives of these tribes in northern India. And they proposed 
a better way through Jesus Christ, which opened their eyes to a better way of life, which solved the problem of them being headhunters. And that's the way Christianity has affected the world. That's the real side of the story. Christianity has absolutely changed everything about the world in which we live. God's kingdom thinking has truly made more hardworking people and more generous people than any other religion in the world, any other philosophy in the world, any other ethnicity in the world. It's just that way. And the coolest thing about Christianity is that God's kingdom thinking, Christianity, has always included people of all skin colors, all ethnicities, all nations, all people groups. And that's why they are the largest people group. People from all backgrounds have had their lives changed because the Bible, the good book in Jesus Christ, which includes the old book too, which Jesus endorses, has changed people for the better and always has and always will if you hear the message and hear it right. So the last part is, therefore, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward for you have the need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while and and the coming one will come and not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now, in the last talk that I gave, I talked about don't be an ass. So there are some people that will read this, these words, and they'll say, oh, well, I think that I've, you know, I, th I think that I've thrown away my confidence. And so now God doesn't have any pleasure in me. If you're thinking like that, you have completely read this wrong. When you read this, you need to read it from someone who loves you and cares, saying, be careful. You know, when somebody loves you um, and you're heading out the door and they say, be careful, you know, do you really think they think that you wouldn't have been careful if you wouldn't have said that, if they didn't say that? That's not what's going on. When someone says to you, be careful, it means I care about you and I just want you to be careful. It doesn't mean that if I didn't tell you that, then you wouldn't be careful. That's not what it means. It's just a caring thing to say. This is a caring thing to say. Don't throw away your confidence in God. Don't give up on your love of God. Don't give up on the great reward, which you know. You need endurance. That's the message. We all need endurance in this world. And the endurance that we need comes from the confidence that we have in our great high priest, who is Jesus Christ, over the house of God in this new way of living. When our mind is firmly set on the kingdom of God, then there is nothing in this world that can truly get us down permanently. There is absolutely no way to get a Christian down whenever the Christian thinks about the kingdom of God and the promises that God has made us and the permanent kingdom treasures and reward that are ours. And that's what causes us to not shrink back. And the author ends by saying, we're not those who shrink back. But just because he says, don't shrink back, doesn't mean that he thinks you're going to shrink back. When he says, don't shrink back or, you know, because you'll be destroyed. No, no, no. He's not saying you're going to be destroyed. He's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. What he's saying what the author is saying is have confidence in that great reward so that you can have endurance because you're going to need endurance in this world. This world is tough. This world is very, very tough. And that's why I'm a Christian because I keep coming back to this message 
uh, over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I can't hear it enough. Be like a child. Be like a child who in their youth always hears the message afresh, always keeps the youthful spirit. I don't care if you're 98 years old like Grandma Lucy is in Slippery Rock, keep a, and which she does, she keeps a youthful love of her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, always. Read the Bible like someone is talking to you who loves you, and you will get the Bible right. If you read the Bible as if someone who is speaking to you doesn't like you or is mad at you, then you're never going to get the message right. But here, here, we need to hear it right and hear it the right way. Don't be an ass and take it the wrong way. Hear it the right way. Hear someone who loves you, God himself, saying, be careful. Stick to your youthful love for me. Always remember your youthful days when you first became a Christian. Keep that in your mind all the time We're in, and apply your great confidence in God to every situation of life. Bam. That's where he takes. Okay, well, that's our passage. It was great spending time with you, and let's be forever young. Let's keep that spirit of the kids uh, who love to hear the same old story over and over and over again, alive and well in our own lives. Let's never tire of seeing sunsets and moons, and let's never tire of thinking of God and the kingdom of God and the confidence that we have in Jesus Christ, who is our high priest over the house of God. Bam. See you next time.